And I spread a song so you can sing along With my special guest star for two You like to sing and dance And this podcast by chance Explores musicals for you everyone welcome back to another episode of life's but a song a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals i'm your host john and with me today is a very special guest he is the cure i want to call you the curator of the cult musicals page on instagram would that be the best title (laughs) yes Yes. or just the mastermind (laughs) the mastermind of cult musicals on instagram it's james reeves everyone hello Uh, And we are here today to talk about shock treatment, which uh, I'm so happy about this. (laughs) I have. It's not the sequel. It's not the prequel. It's the equal to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. Yes. Okay. Let me just give the background and then we'll, I I have a burning question since you're like a fan about it that you may have an answer to, but let me just do this little backgroundy stuff that I told myself that I have to do. Uh, it, uh, so the shock treatment came out in 1981 with the screenplay by Richard O'Brien, Brian and Jim, Jim Sharman, uh, music by Richard Hartley and Richard O'Brien lyrics by Richard O'Brien directed by Jim Sharman. And according to IMDb, Janet and Brad become contestants on a game show, dot, 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 but wind up as captives instead. So I've seen this movie before plenty of times. I talked about it mm-hmm. on my other podcast where we uh, blasphemously compared it to Rocky Horror. But are we to believe that the events of Rocky Horror didn't happen in this movie? No, they did. Um, we can get more into that. I, I see shock treatment as a direct sequel to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. But we can get into that um, now or later, if you would like. No, let's do it. Let's do it now because I because I was watching it and they never make reference to that the stuff that happened. So the Rocky Horror Show, the stage musical of which the Rocky Horror Picture Show is based on, was originally called "They Came from Denton High," so it actually was about Brad and Janet, and that was it. It's about this straight laced couple from Middle America. Actually, they're supposed to be from Denton, Texas. And they just end up in this crazy town, which is, or this crazy castle of this transvestite alien. Well, of course, it became the Rocky Horror Show at the very, very last minute. Richard O'Brien changed the, changed the name to the Rocky Horror Show. And of course, the Rocky Horror Show became the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Well, of course, Rocky Horror Picture Show was produced on like a shoestring budget. And then it became you know, massive in a couple, in the span of a couple of years. And so what happens, of course, is Fox is like, write a sequel. But Richard O'Brien really never had any intent for a sequel for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So the first script was called the Rocky Horror, um, Rocky Horror Shows His Heels. And that dealt with um, Janet's pregnant with Frankenfurter's baby. Mm-hmm. And Brad leaves her. I've read the script. Um, Brad leaves her and Janet is whisked into this whirlwind of being pregnant. Frankenfurter is resurrected by uh, Brad and Dr. Scott because they go in and obtain virgin blood from the town of Denton. So Frankenfurter is resurrected and um, 
Janet gives birth to Frankenfurter's son, which is named Sonny. But Frankenfurter has to have a certain amount of virgin blood to stay alive. But of course, in the end, he decomposes. So he dies again because Frankenfurter and Magenta come, uh, excuse me, Riffraff and Magenta come back and kill him again. And that would, so Fox was really big on the sequel. They okayed the script. But Tim Curry said, I've done it. I don't want to do it again. So Frank, um, Richard O'Brien said, okay, what can we do? What can we do since um, we can't have Frankenfurter? So then it became the Brad and Janet show, which actually took place in Texas. And instead of shock treatment being contained into a TV studio, it was going to take place around town of Denton. Um, uh, Susan Sarandon wanted a million dollars to reprise her role as Janet, and Fox said that's more than the budget. And so, this is this is 1980s or 19, yeah, late 19, 1970s, a million dollars. Yeah. Well, so it came over to film in England. I was going to film it actually in Denton, Texas, because there really is a Denton, Texas. Oh, interesting. But during the 80s, there was an actress and a writer's strike. So they've already produced the script. And so Richard O'Brien, Richard Hartley said, what are we going to do? We have already signed on a cast. We have the budget, et cetera. So funnily enough, they came to England because there was no writer's strike over here. And they could only film it in a TV station. I mean, in a studio, which is not that far from where I live. And so the Brad and Janet show became shock treatment. And um, a few years ago in 2015, actually, shock treatment was adapted to the stage over here, which I was glad I was lucky enough to see. And it was shock treatment, the stage musical. And it was very self-contained. It actually bridges the gap between the Rocky Horror Picture Show and shock treatment. It acknowledges um, it acknowledges the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It, it says, there's a line in the stage musical, Janet says, you know, we've only been married for a year and our marriage has gone through so much, like cross-tracing aliens. <laughs> but also it's alluded that Riff Raff and Magenta are Cosmo and Nation McKinley. Okay. Oh, I mean, so, yes, they're played by the same... Actors. But it's alluded to in the stage in the stage play that possibly Riff Raff and Magenta are Cosmo and Nation McKinley. And um, uh, crap, what's his name? The blind guy in the movie. Bert Schnick is not in the stage musical, but they do oh. mention him. But yes, he only can. Yeah. So it, so if we're equating so in the in the movie version of Shock Treatment, if we're equating. Cosmo and not Wanda, because that's what I want to call her. Her name is Nation. Uh, if we want to equate them to Riff Raff and Magenta, um, crap, what's his, what's his name is basically Frankenfurter, correct? No, Bert Schnick is just a character actor that happened to be hired on DTV. Oh, okay. But, it, but um, I, in my opinion, if you look at all the puzzle pieces, they Cosmo and Nation are with Mark Magenta. Just look at their names. Cosmo Nation. Cosmo Nation. Cosmo Nation. <laughs> like a cosmic nation. <laughs> That's amazing. So <laughs> shock treatment didn't do that well, of course. But Richard O'Brien wrote a follow-up to shock treatment called Revenge of the Old Queen. And it was going to be about Janet 
who of course gave birth to Frankenfurter's son. He is a rock star, but he doesn't know that his father is Frankenfurter. And it's alluded to in that script that Riff Raff mentioned to were Cosmo and Nation McKinley. Oh, interesting. Because the one that the blurb that I found on Revenge of the Old Queen, it says that um, it takes place 15 years after mm-hmm. Picture Show. Uh, Magenta has been mysteriously murdered. R- General Riff Raff is ordered by the Old Queen to go back to find Frank, her son, to rule the what a uh, transac- planet transsexual um but clearly is dead and then um uh there's a character named steve majors who realizes that the events of the rocky or picture show is mm-hmm. real because i guess mm-hmm. in that world the movie is real and then uh they investigate- and it's based on his brother but yes yeah and then they investigate Transylvanians who are still on Earth, but it's a very bad script. <laughs> it it's it's needs some love. Script. It just needs some love. It's a very bad script, but um, <laughs> there's a line: "Riffraff killed Magenta out of jealousy." And there's a line that says, "You know, I wish that we I could I wouldn't have killed you. You know, you should have kept your mouth shut." And there's a line in the script where he said, um, "We could go back to playing doctors or nurses like we used to." Uh, okay because then that makes sense that they're they're still incestuous they're playing incestuous siblings in this movie as well but it's never really realized yeah Um, in a stage musical they do acknowledge the events of the rocky horror picture show briefly um i think a bit of continuity but also for laughs but the stage musical is they condense the characters down to seven. They change some of the lyrics and Brad and yeah, Brad and Farley are no longer brothers. Farley is like a Trump. Oh. And he like wants to own America. So he has a TV station. He has his fast food, but he wants to take it a step further and run for president. So was this stage version that you're talking about sanctioned by Richard yes, O'Brien? It was. It was an official stage adaption. Yep. Is it available um, was, for anyone to do? No. Um, so he, it took them years and years for them to beg him to do it. He said, but if you're going to do it, you need to do it right. And so actually it was Richard Hartley and Richard O'Brien gave their blessing. And it was an official musical. Um, I saw it in 2015. It was a limited engagement. Um, Richard Hartley wasn't there, but Richard O'Brien was there the night that I went. Um, but no big it was, deal. It, it was a big deal, but it was uh, official. Yeah, big deal. But just Richard O'Brien was sitting right next to you. But the way that it is, it was King's Head Theater, and Richard O'Brien said, "If we do it, I don't want it to be in a big theater. I want it to be in a super, super small, intimate theater where the where the audience cannot escape the characters because I want them to feel as if they're trapped in Dindonville." And it okay. did. So the theater only held like fifty to sixty people. But you, it was when you walked in, and all the walls were padded. So oh shit! Like you, okay, so, so the walls were padded. Yes, you're immersed into this world. You were in a closed theater space. Yes, oh, in the theaters, the actors would come and actually talk to you and stuff like that. But it was con- the characters were con- condensed down to seven. But I think it was really, really brilliantly done in did, that way. 
did the show have my new favorite line from the movie, which is, hi, Brad, I've just come to tell you how fabulous I am. Absolutely. <laughs> when she says that, A, she sounds very monotone when she says that in the movie. Jessica Harper, when she says that in the movie, yeah. it's like, hi, Brad, I've come to just tell you how fabulous I am. I was like, just some inflection would have been great. And what the, one of the biggest differences in the stage musical is that they actually give Brad shock treatment. Okay, because, you know, I'm, I've, like I said, I've seen this movie before. I never mm-hmm. understand what the song shock treatment is mm-hmm. about. Like, I get it that there are um, kind of gaslighting Janet and also like creating a monster at the same time because we see her become the fame goes to her head and everything. But in the song Shock Treatment itself, like, I have no idea what they're trying to say. So the song Shock Treatment, of course, was originally in the Brad and Janet show, which became Shock Treatment. And Dentonville was an insane asylum. But because of the writer's strike, it became a TV station and a TV show. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So so in in the stage version... They actually give Brad electroshock therapy until Janet is for his own good. And they, they're like, we want to be the first people to perform electroshock therapy on patients on TV. You know, wouldn't that be great ratings? And so they actually tie him to like a chair, a table, put a thing over his head. And every time they sing, you know, need a bit it shocks them. And so you like see in, lightning bolts. So like in the movie, when the, when the Polaroid snap happens, yeah. flash happens, that's when they would give him the shocks. Yeah, and he would act like he was being electrocuted. So I also did read, though, that uh, the original movie that you said, the Rocky Horror Shows His Heels, a lot of the songs that are in what we now yeah. know as shock treatment were in that. And wasn't Brad gay or like came that out was, as. Yeah, and he leaves Janet. Yes. Okay. And so, like, the song Little Black Dress was about Frankenfurter being resurrected, and he was trying to figure out what he wanted to wear to his resurrection. <laughs> That's amazing. Because, and also, Thank God I'm a Man is was also supposed to be, like, was this basically the same. Like, they didn't change anything, really, except made this character now super racist and homophobic and shock treatment. Some of the songs of shock treatment are from Rocky Horror Shows His Hills and the Brad and Janet show. So some carried over from the Rocky Horror Shows His Hills script, some carried over from the Brad and Janet show. So thank God I'm a man would be in the Brad and Janet show. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. I, that is, wow. <laughs> but you're talking to someone who actually prefers shock treatment to the Rocky Horror Picture show. Can I ask why? I think intellectually, shock treatment is a lot better and i also think musically shock treatment is a lot better and richard o'brien even says that he thinks the music and shock treatment is better than the music in the rocky horror picture show but he thinks the script's better in the rocky horror picture show and i also think what happens a lot to, a lot of times with cult movies is that i love the rocky horror picture show of course but sometimes it gets where a cult movie becomes so mainstream that it loses what it loses that sort of midnight horror midnight movie feel to it to where people really don't quite understand what the rocky horror picture shows about the whole don't dream it be it but also it's 
a certified B movie because Richard O'Brien was obsessed with sci-fi films. But I think that shock treatment intellectually has a lot going on because A, it predicted the world that we live in now. I, I was just about to say that it predicted reality television, but also treatment, yeah. But also making fun of uh, game shows of the it's time. Making fun of actually, it's actually making fun of America because Richard O'Brien, you know, comes from New Zealand, and he lived in England, of course. He's actually poking fun at the myth of the American dream, and he since mm-hmm. he's been quoted by saying that you know America is a fast food world to where, you know, someone would sell their own husband up the river for five minutes a day. And this is before the Truman show. This is before reality TV show a reality TV. And I remember I first saw it in 2000 before there was reality TV. So I didn't really understand shock treatment, but about a few years later, especially the world that we live in now with social media and the Kardashians and even Trump, um, and Survivor yeah, we, 75 or whatever we're on, whatever season and we're on. All that. Of that. Yeah. So shock treatment actually, I think, is a warning. And oh. I think it actually predicted the world that we lived in because a lot of, um, you know, if you look at Brad and Janet, they're very stereotypical anal American couple who are boring, who are beige. Yes. And by entering this very British world that have very British characters, they become, you know, Oversensed. So I think the Rocky Horror Picture Show and Shock Treatment itself are sort of poking fun at the idea of America and our consumerism and our obsession with fame and our obsession with American dream. And um, I just I, I just prefer Shock Treatment. I think the music's better. I think it's got a lot going on intellectually. I think it's brilliant. And I think um, it's, it takes itself on a deeper level than the Rocky Horror Picture Show does. I think it actually deals with, it's terrifying. I mean, shock treatment could even be considered a horror film because it actually predicted everything that we live in. I mean, Big Brother. It did. Where people yes. don't leave the house. Yes. Or, um, I mean, it all, it's also playing off of uh, the uh, wedding. Oh God, what's the name of that show? Uh, um where you know no not that like the the game show where like husbands and wives are pitted against each other to see the newlywed game the newlywed game thank you yeah it kind of makes fun of that in a way it does and And, um and they briefly talk about mental health which is surprising for the for the 80s but even now you know it we even have shows about mental health we have intervention where people were being bombarded and, right. and lambasted on public TV and they don't know that they're even on a reality show and they're going to get psychiatric help on TV. I mean, there are, uh, there are some negative sides to this movie. I'm not going to lie. Some of the, some of the dialogue okay. and lyrics, I feel like could be changed, which it mm-hmm. sounds like they did for that stage version you were talking about. They did. So in, Instead of the show, so the song Looking for Trade, you know, I'm looking for trade, that was that in shock treatment. That was going to be in the Rocky Horror Shows as Hills where Frankenfurter's singing about finding male virgins so he can be live forever. Okay, because I was just like, I know what the... Because trade is like a, a yeah, gay slang for... And so I was like, the, does that work for heteros as well? <laughs> so in the stage version, Janet sings, I'm looking for fame. 
Oh, see, I'm also talking about in, um, what was the song? Denton USA, the literal second line of the song where they talk about how I'm quoting the song, everyone, so please don't come for me, where they are tolerant of the ethnic races. I was just like, ooh, like even in 1980s standards, that's not a but cool But Rich Fairbrain was... Yeah, Rich, but the Rocky Horror Picture Show and Shock Treatment are not PC, and that's what made it so endearing and also kick-ass. And again, that line, Richard O'Brien is poking fun at America's racist problem in the 70s and the 80s. Okay, I could like see that. Fab, like Farley Flavors, Fabulous Fast Foods, Feed and Fortify Families for a Fabulous Future. He's poking fun at, because there really wasn't fast food in England at that point. He's poking fun again at the rise of fast food chains in America and how that's all people ate. And then, you know, the, the public would, I mean, like fast food companies would sort of deceive the general public saying it's okay to feed your family McDonald's for dinner. I also love, A, that you recited that off the top of your head, and B, that it's <laughs> all Fs. Mm-hmm. Like, because that whole commercial that they do is like, what are the five Fs? And um, they say Fs, and then the narrator comes in and says exactly what you just said. And 98% of the words are begin with F, <laughs> the letter F. So there's even a line, you know, and thank God I'm a man, where he says, you know, at the end, he says faggots for maggots. Yeah, Richard O'Brien is bisexual, but he does that to show how the stereotypical straight man in America would feel about someone who doesn't identify as heterosexual. Oh, so again, Richard O'Brien is really getting into the minds of these people and Americans by really, you know, showing holding up a mirror to us. So um, the other thing I'm a little confused about, especially on this watch when I, I rewatched it, cause I was watching a little more critically. Uh, so in the, in Denton USA, we're meeting mm-hmm. all, we're meeting majority of the characters um, mm-hmm. you know, who are going to be in the rest of this film. Uh, Janet's parents are on there. So are we to believe in your, to your knowledge, are we to believe that they were on former episodes of DTV or Denton Vale? Or anything so, else? The way that the, the film operates is that the entire town of Denton is so obsessed with DTV and, you know, Farley Flavor Studios, etc., that they literally come and watch the programming 24 hours a day. They're sucked into it and they just happen to, but Brad, <sighs> Janet are come to be, are lured into this game show by saying, you know, it's sort of like, I guess, you know, those commercials or after a TV program, if you or a loved one want to be on this show, call in this number. It's probably how it happened. Okay. And, they, okay. and because, you know, Farley basically owns this town, he knows who Janet and Brad, you know, who they're related to, but also he knows everything about Brad already. So this is a calculated scheme to get not only Janet to run against Brad, but Janet's parents. And, I'm still unclear as to what Farley's ultimate goal was. It's to obviously humiliate Brad, but did he want Janet? There's another line in the script. I can't remember. Um, oh, at the very end with um, Dual Duet, where Brad's like, why? So, you know, when um, Judge Oliver Wright and um, Betty Hatchat rescue Brad from Dentonville, he's like, you know, 
they're telling him that, you know, Brad, you both of you were adopted. You went to a good home, but he had to live like, you know, in the slums. And he's always resented you for that. And and Brad makes a, a asks the question, but why Janet? And she said, he represents, you know, something that you have and something that you want. And he wants everything that you have because he didn't have it growing up. So he resents you and he hates you and wants to take everything away from you. Like you okay. had everything taken away from him. Okay. I may have blinked when that line happened because I was just like, I'm still confused as to what's going She's Miss Mental Health or whatever, whatever it's, it was. It's very a conscious decision of Janet over everybody in the town. Right, yeah, because he's clearly targeting them. Brad. Brad, yes. And also Janet, in a way, because like mm-hmm. he wants to split them up. But it seems like Cosmo and Nation are like the only ones really in on the plan? Or was no one really in on the plan with this? Well, Bert Schnick was in on the plan, of course, because Bert Schnick's, Schnick, uh, Schnick's not even blind. Right, and it's... So it, every- there was Sorry, that one ahead. there was that one moment where Bert talks into his um walking uh, his, his walking stick to uh Farley and like yeah. Ralph half half shat I'm sorry yeah. I almost said the call out you know the audience call it half shit um and some I think it's the cop is like right there so it seemed like the three of them were in on the plan from the beginning but I'm not sure about anyone else who works for the television station. So that, that cop actually, Vince, is the original Brad from the Rocky Horror Show on stage. Oh, fascinating. Yep. But also the Transylvanians who played, they're in the audience, but also they work for DTV as well. They're, so the lady who does the wardrobe, who's a wardrobe mistress, she's one of the Transylvanians. Yes. The people who oper- operate the cameras are the Transylvanians from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, fascinating. So, it may, so that sort of connects because Birchnick really isn't those unbuddies with Cosmo Nation. And Farley says, you know, the quacks are winning tools. And Birchnick said, the quacks are fools. Or no, the cop says that. So nobody knows where Cosmo Nation came from. Betty uncovers that they're character actors, that they keep moving to different places and they take on different guises. I love this. I love you, I love that line. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt your thought, but where she's fine. like, uh, character actors. <laughs> so funny. But it makes you wonder if why it makes you wonder if the Transylvanians and you know, why were the Transylvanians and the Rocky Hill Picture Shows coming there on motorcycles? Why are they already there? Oh. So it makes you wonder if they're not that they have their own motives and Farley's just the means to those motives. Ooh. And then um, little Mel. But you have to think about it because the humans basically destroy themselves. That's true. Because they all, at the end, it seems like we're all prisoners of television. Dentaville, and yeah. Denti- well, they are prisoners of Dentaville, but I think the metaphor is like, um, again. There's no escape from it. And also, again, them warning us because of television being like, we're, we're prisoners of television. Which, I mean, now would be streaming services. But also people's obsession with getting on reality TV. Even, be- even before reality television But was. now it's, you know, now it's quote-unquote influencers and Snapchat and, and TikTok. I mean, people are constantly looking for fame and clout. And I think that's what shock treatment predicted. Damn. 
This movie's great. <laughs> it I is, mean, I think. And Richard O'Brien, that's why he wanted, he waited years and years and years to approve the stage version. But he said, um, he told the guy, Benji, I can't think of his last name. If you do it, you have to do it in a way that's small and intimate to where your audience cannot escape what's happening inside the theater. So was there like an album for this version? No. Oh, damn it. <laughs> there should have been, Janet. <laughs> there should have there should have been. Because it I mean it was so long ago. It was 2015. But I vividly remember a lot of the changes that they made. Um and how it really made more sense in terms of um today. Okay, so which do you prefer, the movie or the stage version that you saw only once? <laughs> I like the movie because there's more characters. They condense the characters down to seven in the stage version. I mean, it's th- just Brad, Janet, Cosmo Nation, Ralph, Betty, and um, Farley. No, yes, and Farley. I feel like there. I I I do feel like there are too many people in the movie. Like the um, the woman that's supposed to be doing the documentary or the behind the scenes look of everything. Neely. 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 I'm just like, okay, I could I could do without you. If I had to pick somebody, I could do or or um the importance of Oscar Drill and the bits. Um I could I could do without them, but it's still a great movie, as is. I mean, hell, I this is my second time talking about this on two different podcasts. So obviously <laughs> I like this movie. Uh, it takes a while for you to get it, for people to get it. I think it takes a couple of viewings. But actually, you know, it's never been released on Blu-ray in America. But it's been blue on it's on been released on Blu-ray here on a special edition Blu-ray and just regular Blu-ray. And the way that it's marketed now on Blu-ray, it says before reality TV, there was shock treatment. Oh. That's so cool. Um a question that I have uh, is that Rest Home Ricky, it, was he supposed to be a and as well as Nurse Ansalong, you know, Nell Campbell's um, mm-hmm. character, are, were they supposed to be larger characters in the final film or were they, was this always? I think, they were, I think they were always side characters. Okay. Because I, 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 I look at them and like, you know, we have the return of Richard O'Brien, Patricia Quinn, and Little Nell, and it's like, okay, well, they were they were Rocky Horror, you know, they were they were like the the what everyone remembers and everything. And obviously, there's Brad and Janet, but like for this for my little soapbox right now, I don't care about them. Uh, but it seems like you know, Restaurant Ricky was supposed to be like on that platform with them, and it I I wasn't sure if maybe like some of his stuff got cut or. I think they were just minions. It's interesting. So I actually prefer Jessica Harper and Cliff DeYoung to uh, Barry Bostwick and Susan Sarandon. Believe it or not. I, you know, I, I see them as different though. Cause I know I asked you before if this was supposed to be a continuation or not. I see them as the equal that we, that uh, the creators call this, you know, it's not, necessarily the next chapter or the next book it's just another story that they just so happen to be the same names 
but they are. But it also turns Rocky Horror in its head where it's actually about Brad and Janet. It's not about Frankenfurter. It's not about, it's actually about Frank, Brad and Brad Janet. Brad and Janet, yeah. And this is like, and he even said in earlier interviews about shark treatment that Brad and Janet are like Gulliver's Travels. Rocky Horror Picture shows are not about it. That's just a step on Brad and Janet's journey that they right. keep having to encounter these things. But the thing that makes me think of them as different characters is that the way that each actor portrayed the character. Because mm-hmm. in Rocky Horror Picture Show, at least with Janet, she's supposed to be, she starts out as like the damsel in naive. distress. Naive, the virgin. And then she has sex and be, and it's like, there's still trauma involved because they watch people get, they watch them get murdered. So it's like, okay. But possibly the reason Brad and Janet are so different in shock treatment is because they're married now. And uh, they thought that their marriage could withheld everything. And now they realize that married life is not. So even in the stage musical and in the film, it's not Janet that's the issue. It's Brad. Brad, it's Brad that needs help. Janet's fine. Brad's the one that's bringing her down. Well, I was going to say Janet and uh, Jessica Harper's read on Janet in this version in shock treatment seems Pretty like strong. she's a strong character. Yeah, she's very uh, she knows what she knows what she wants. She does get caught up into like the um, the fame of it all, you know, like pe- to become famous because, you know, there's that moment where she's like, I'm going out to my fans. You know, I don't need to talk to you, Cosmo Nation, to talk about but what I want. That happens so much. I mean, it's we can all say, you know, we wouldn't do this or we would do this. And the reason I like Jessica Parker better is because A, she was actually in a cult musical that predated Rocky Horror Picture Show called Phantom of the Paradise, uh, which is a Oh my gosh, she movie. was in that movie. <laughs> She's famous, and that's why she was chosen for her shock treatment. This is also before Suspiria, right? Or after Suspiria, right? Yeah. Yeah, yes. so right, Phantom of the Paradise. So a lot of so my cult musicals, Instagram, I review, I'm, over, I'm like at 200 cult musicals now that I review. Cult meaning underrated overlooked overappreciated and cult musical films people like to say that rocky horror you know was the springboard from all the cult musical thing but actually it was phantom of paradise it came first and it flopped in america and it actually for whatever reason it it did really really well in winnipeg canada and they have a massive fest there they have a Phantom Palooza Fest that this cast go there every year, and there was an award-winning documentary on it about how devoted the city is to it. And it's actually got like this documentary's gotten praise, and it's been streamed. Um, I know the lady who was in it, and Gloria Dignazio, and then Del Panu, who follows me on Instagram. But actually, um, Phantom of the Paradise was the first cult movie musical. People started dressing up as it. As the characters, people started, you know, um, shadow casting. So Rocky Horror came in 75, but it was actually, Phantom of the Paradise was actually the very first cult movie musical underappreciated that actually had a devout following. So now is there also like a shadow? I, I know that there are shadow there castings because I've seen a, uh, I've seen on, on YouTube I think there's a con even for 
like Rocky Thank Horror or shock, or shock, no, Shock Treatment, I'm talking about. They know that there um, was uh, there was something where, where they performed Me of Me on stage. I've watched it at least so a dozen shock times. Treatment is, yeah. Shock, over here in England, they had a screening and, and Rocky Shock Treatment's now included into Rocky Horror Picture Show cons and things like that. Um, it's important to note, though, that Richard O'Brien really separates the Rocky Horror Show from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yeah, because they're two he, separate entities. Included. He actually doesn't own the rights or has, or has any financial gain from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Fox now Disney owns the Rocky Horror Picture Show. He actually gets no money from it whatsoever. That's he only gets money from the Rocky Horror Show. Because back in the 70s, you know, movie studios are pretty shady. So I think I read a thing that he only got paid like $3,000 for the movie rights. Oh, God. But oh. also, Rocky, Richard O'Brien has stated, and I agree, you have to dig for these interviews, that and Susan Sarandon has been, has been quoted as saying this as well. Rocky Horror has endured, but the shadow casting and the yelling back at the screen and what it, and sort of people forget and overlook the message of the Rocky Horror Picture Show because you can't even. She said, um, Susan Sarandon said the first time that she went and heard the callbacks and all of that it was like church, but the last time she went, it was like chaos. People aren't really even paying attention to the film anymore. And Richard O'Brien's The Rocky Horror Show still captures and emulates what Rocky Richard O'Brien was trying to do, which was talk about his love of B-movies. You know, once in a while, of course, is still in the Rocky Horror Show on stage. And it still has more of the B-movie feel to it. I love the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's one of my favorite movies. But I think um, it's become really over-commercialized, which is really, really sad. Because I don't think that's, that's what happens when a cult movie starts to lose its spirit. But I think Rocky Horror Picture Show will endure unless Disney, who are the new owners, pump it, pump a dry well to what, like when I'm talk about the God awful remake that came out in 2016 and, and Richard, big, Richard O'Brien really tore the new one. I, I, I talked, I had an episode on Rocky Horror and we briefly of uh, briefly talked about it. Cause my guest and I watched it at the, uh, together and, we were just like oh, it was supposed no. to be remade, remade in 1998 for MTV with Richard O'Brien's blessing. It was going to be more campy. It was going to have once in a while in it, and Marilyn Manson was supposed to play Frankenfurter. I'm in, but I digress. But hopefully, shock treatment will be, you know, looked at more because it really. I mean, I love shock treatment, but I just it really. If you watch shock treatment, Dentonville. Happy Homes, um, DTV, all of those shows, Denton Dossier, we live, eat, and breathe. I mean, my favorite show of all time is Judge Judy. I could <laughs> easily see see I could easily see Judge Judy being on DTV. Because well, and and court. also and also there's that one scene where Jenna is talking to her parents, and underneath it, you hear people narrating plugging whatever they're doing especially where it's like hey if you want a new golf set the, the, go buy golf the, buy it here at this golf place and that kind of really reminded me of the Truman Show where all the other actors would be like we have coffee from coffee meat or whatever they say you know so but luckily shock treatment is getting cr- critically reevaluated. oh good um, 
because people are like, wow. Are there, are yeah. there, is there like an audience script to it? Like, you know how Rocky Horror, there's there the isn't. Audience. There's a fan made one, but um, there isn't that for shock treatment. And I think that would lose. I think Rocky Horror, it's easy to get lost in the pomp and the circumstance and the sort of church-like feel of the callbacks and the all that. But I think shock treatment demands your attention. Mm-hmm. Because if you miss one cue, if you miss one way that a character looks, if you miss, miss, miss the undertones of them trying to sell you coffee and the coffee pot that Janet's mom's using, all of it is what all of it's consciously done. So I think it demands your attention more than Rocky Horror Picture Show does because literally Janet and Brad and the family cannot escape TV. Even in the shower, Bert Schnick walks in on Janet and he's not even blind. Right. And so that's when we, be, the audience, find out he's not really blind. It's a shtick. No pun intended. Ah. Bert Schnick, shtick. Maybe that's. Hmm. Can I just say, I'm very happy you picked this because clearly you love this movie and you were able to like quell some of my feelings about it or mm-hmm. like give me a different side of the story. Because like I said, that uh, that one line in Denton, USA, and you explained it to me. So it was very the, pleasant conversation. Um, are there, have you found other people who are like, in love with this movie as you are i think yeah i have and there seems to be there's actually a website called shock treatment network and i've talked to the guy who runs it um i think there's a difference so for instance i prefer grease 2 over grease oh actually don't okay. like, i don't like grease that's and i think that's... grease is great it's a summer movie it's wonderful but grease 2 is so much more badass and raunchier than grease uh-huh. Instead of a woman having to change for a man, a man changes for a woman. Mm-hmm. And then Michelle Pfeiffer, hello. Oh, come on, Michelle Pfeiffer. But there seems to be a difference in shock treatment and Rocky Horror fans. Rocky Horror is so commercialized now, which I think it's really sad because I love that film. Um, but people are like, oh, I love the Rocky Horror pictures. I love this. But they don't really understand the references in Rocky Horror. Like, whatever happened to, you know, whatever Fay happened Ray. to Faye Ray? And they're like, but fans can't tell you who Faye Ray is. Or God bless Lily St. Cyr, who was, you know, a sex pot actress. So, um, but if you really listen to Watch Rocky Horror, it's really about sci-fi being escaped from reality. And Richard O'Brien said he wrote it, that he was an unemployed actor, couldn't get work. So he went to the cheap matinee noon shows of sci-fi films and his, that was his only escape. And so that um and he considered himself to be like a brat or a janet because he was very clean cut and so he imagined himself being transported oh. into a world oh, like this but rocky horror honestly is very original but there's also a stage musical that became before the rocky horror picture show and the rocky horror show that's eerily similar called i'm sorry you'll have to stay the night the bridge is out and it's by the creator of monster mash and it's about a straight-laced couple who is engaged, who stays in the mansion of monsters. The Wolfman, Dracula, the Mummy. And, and this is the only a stage show. This is only yeah, a stage show. There's into, a movie. There is a movie. It got turned into a movie called Monster Mash, the movie. 
what? But it's very eerie. It's very eerily, and it's from the sixties. It's called "I'm Sorry You'll Have to Stay the Night." The bridge is up. But the movie is called Monster Mash. The movie, yeah, okay. with Cameron Cameron Candace Cameron from Full House. <laughs> huh. interesting. Does it ever said that it's in Texas? It was spo- shock treatment was supposed to film in, in Texas. Right, you and said that, but like. Does it, it, I I don't remember any signage or anything that says like we are in Texas or something like that. It just says dead. Well, there are a lot of cowboy outfits in shock treatment. And Uh, the way the way the the cheerleaders are looking looks a little bit Dallas cowboy. So I'm thinking, you know, that that's what it was originally supposed to be. But I think it works. Shock treatment works. Even if it's sort of cosmic that it, moved to have to have to film inside of a TV station because then it became shock treatment. Whereas if it was able to move around to an insane asylum like Denton Bell was supposed to be the TV station that Janet was supposed to work at, it wouldn't have really worked. But is there I, something really really frightening about being in a TV station that you can never leave? Yeah, I I kind I really do like that that it's contained. Like like even Rocky Horror, if you really think about it, is contained in the mansion, you know. So yeah, they can't leave. They can't leave. Yeah. So the fact that like you are contained in this one spot, granted, uh, the studio seems massive because they have all these twists and turns and the um, bedrooms for the people and that chamber for Brad, and we even see like an overhead shot of all the maze. Maze? Yes, it's a maze. Uh, that it but, is um, at the, the end. set designer said that he did that because it's like lab rats, right? But also, like they call it marriage maze. That's the name of right. the the game that they originally go on, and so it's a but literal maze. It's scary that like we live in that now. <sighs> yes. yes, but I think we 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 as a culture took shock treatment a step farther, where you you're literally never away from. It. Like your phone and social media apps. People are faking injuries. People are doing this. People are crying on social media. Everything to get attention. And you're like, shock treatment was basically a warning to us. As a society that, yeah, we don't, we don't be be mindful of this. Don't get caught up in five minutes of fame because you lose who you really are. And Janet, there's a, Janet almost... Almost, you know, lost Brad or vice versa, or maybe both. And it took her coming out of it. So, uh, last question before we get into Strap and Flag mm-hmm. Is that really John Candy in the movie? No. <laughs> so, those people were um, random act- extras they found in England. But the people who sing didn't. So, this is another thing that makes, it, makes Richard O'Brien a genius. Um, the people who sing for the overture and then Denton, Denton, USA, etc., and then all of that were the voices of the American GI base that were located in England. Richard O'Brien didn't want people faking American accents. He went and found Ameri- people in the army that were in America that were stationed in England. <laughs> That's amazing. So even then, he wanted it as American as it could be in England. Oh my goodness. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> but, so and then, and they just so happened to, and they just so happened to cast a guy that looks like, looks John, like John Candy. I used to think that that was funny. 
And he gets a lot of screen time too, if you think, if you really think about it. And, and so he's that's next to a guy in a in a cowboy hat. Yeah, because because then you're just like, wait a second, this guy is getting a lot of screen time. Is it really John Candy? But I guess not. <laughs> no, it was just random people they found as extras. But um, the people singing are actually American GIs and American American Army that was stationed in England. So like in um like in Thank God I'm a Man, all those little groupings those are, that happen, trios, yeah, are, if you will. Those are Amer- yeah, but one of the guys who is in it, um, uh, no, those those are British people, but the people who are singing actually singing, singing yes. are Americans. Yes, um, okay. one of the guys that stands up, who's in a uh, army uniform, is the original Rocky from the Rocky Horror Show. Oh my god, this this movie is just like full of Easter eggs for it is the Rocky Horror. The, shop treatment is a continuation of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. The Transylvanians were there. The original Brad from the Rocky Horror Show is there. The original Rocky from the Rocky Horror Show is there. Cosmo and Nation. I mean, you can't escape. It's almost as if, and, my, and the way that it was sort of alluded to in the stage musical was that the Transylvanians have been here and they're treating us like experiments and guinea pigs. So what's the way for aliens to blend in? Go on TV. Work for a TV station. Be super American and wear cowboy hats. <laughs> it makes you wonder if everybody in the audience is not a Transylvanian. Oh, I haven't, I didn't have that read of it. Maybe next time I every, watch it. Because Brad and Janet are like the only normal people in that still in the movie. Right. And clearly they are being targeted for this episode of television. Uh, well, wait, is it just one long, it's one long program, right? No, there's there's Marriage Maze, there's Dentonville, there's Happy Homes, there's Denton Dossier, there's um, Faith Factory. But like the way that I, I, I guess I'm a Good little morning, conf- Denton. I'm a little confused though because it's it 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 just seems like one bleeds into the other. Granted, that's, that's conscious. We're seeing the movie, but not what the TV show. So like, Brad and Janet were on a contestant on Marriage Mates. A Marriage Mates, and right. And then, then they're like, oh, you know, we're going to put Brad on Dentonville, the TV show, because they're going to help him. Well, they're like, well, Janet, why don't you go on Good Morning Denton? And then they put, why didn't they let Br- Janet's mom and dad leave? Why did they put him? So they say, oh, you want to stay on a reality, on the TV show Happy Homes, where we give you a, a kitchen and everything, but a camera's watching 24-7. So they're not only messing with Brad and Janet, they're messing with her parents too, because they want her, they want her parents to forget about Janet. And in turn, they're wanting the parents to forget about Brad too. So they're, it's as if the entire family is being sort of pulled into this TV station that has different reality that has different reality TV shows on it. Even at nighttime when they're sleeping, they're being watched because the people in the audience are watching them sleep. It's it, it's like what you said, Big Brother, the TV show, not the 1984 mm. um, comparison of Big Brother. And it's uh, scary because you live that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because technology now as well, like even if you're not watching it, you have, we well, all have more, cell phones and computers. This and is stuff my final it. point. Transylvanians and aliens are terrifying, but what human beings do to other people 
is even more terrifying. I think that's why it makes shock treatment even scarier is that it's not aliens that are torturing people. It's humans that are torturing other humans for the sake of ratings. Except potentially Cosmo and Nation, which we're... Who were just there. I don't know why they're there. Right. But they're there. Maybe as foils. They're just there to sort of initiate all of this. Interesting. It is interesting, but possibly... You know, Farley and the TV station are treating Janet and Brad like guinea pigs. But what if Cosmo Nation are treating Farley and D, D, you know, DTV as the guinea pigs? Hmm. So everybody's be using someone and treating someone as an experiment. Hmm. I don't know. It's too deep. <laughs> uh, oh, okay, let's get into Sharp and Flash, shall we? <laughs> Sharp. Uh, so in this section we're going to highlight some moments whether or not we talked about it which I mean we didn't really get too specific about things but I I don't feel like this movie really needs you to be too like detailed oriented like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of broad strokes happening Um, and if we liked it it's sharp and if we didn't like it or thought it can change it's flat Uh, what are your sharps? Kitchen in the Kitchen is the best song in and there's this line when they change it in the stage musical, they make, they change one line and that song changes the entire trajectory and the entire mood of the musical. So when it's like in the, in the movie, Janet says, um, I'm, I'm glad to say Brad is on his way. In the stage version, they change it to, and I'm sad to say Brad is on his way. <gasps> that... So they make it where Janet is a victim as well. Ah, uh, ah, uh, my God. So I think Bitch in the Kitchen is a sharp. Shock treatment itself is a sharp. I think Breaking Out is a sharp because it's basically Richard O'Brien outing himself. You know, it's about coming out of the closet. Oh, shit. I didn't realize The entire that. song. So it's like, hey, wussy, godforsaken route. I'm breaking out. I've been a lifetime on deposit, and that's a long time in the closet. I don't think I realized that because... There, it's Oscar Drill and the bits that are singing it and there's such ancillary characters that I'm just like okay this sounds like rock and, and they roll. change out the stage version to where Ralph Hapshack comes out as gay and he sings Breaking Out he tells Betty basically you know I'm gay sorry I'm breaking out of the closet I'm tired of being in it well fuck <laughs> <laughs> and anyhow anyhow I think it's really good it's a sharp but I think Besides Bitch in the Kitchen, I don't know. The entire soundtrack is sharps for me. There's no flats. You know what? I'm going to agree with you on the soundtrack because they're all great. I love belting the ending of Bitch in the Kitchen. Uh, Michael you know, Digital Awaker? <laughs> no, 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 no. Tell me, spectator, uh, why yeah. are you always so... Yeah. I do it. I do it better in my shower. Thank you very much. Um, but I, I really love Me of Me. I don't know why. It's uh, great because that's when Janet becomes conceited. Right. But like I, I, the song itself and like seeing the cheerleaders doing the little wiggling and everything in the beginning, like uh, everything. And I, really, I really like, I really like in my own way because Janet's basically like, you know, you see that Brad's really the emotional cripple and no open intended that that's what they call him in the film. But Janet's I, like, you know, you're the problem of this marriage. It's not me. I love you in my own way, but like, it's you. You need to get it together. 
I, I, I do have to agree with what you said earlier. Like this, this is a great soundtrack. Um, and I also, so I, I, I don't usually watch the end credits, but I'm going to also sharp the shock treatment version that's at the end. Mm-hmm, the single version, yeah. Yeah, because I don't think that's on my the album I have, and I'm very upset. No, about it's that. not. You can get it. You can watch it. You can like rip it from YouTube though. I might have to do that. Because I have a feeling that's probably like the demo track in a way, because it's all Richard O'Brien singing it. Well, it's called the single version, which means that he went back and then recorded it and it was going to be released as a single. Uh, of course, the shot did better. Okay. Um, and I'm also it's sharp, beautiful. I'm also going to sharp uh, Cliff DeYoung and, and Jessica Harper. Like, I love their singing voices. They're. They I, are really good. I. I need to go through their filmographies and see, like uh, you said that she was in Fan of the Paradise, but I don't know if like since these two, she's been in anything else or since this. She was in the cult movie musical. She was in the cult movie musical Pins from Heaven as well with Bernadette Peters and Steve Martin. I've never heard of this one. (laughs) Pins from Heaven. I think you are now my new friend and you're going to have to tell me all about the, You're going to have to come I remember, back. I remember when I posted the first nudie musical, you said, what is this? I said, a shit show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I, I need to, I need it's to. It's about Howard. Um, oh God. I'm, I'm having a brain fart. Um, it's, it's the girl from Laverne and Shirley, um, Penny Marshall and what's her name? Is, are you talking about the one Cindy that I talked Williams, about? Cindy Williams. Cindy Williams. And then Howard. What's the director's name? Howard from Happy Days. Oh, Ron Howard. Ron Howard. Ron Howard's in it and Cindy Williams. And they play inspired filmmakers who set out to make the a big budget porn musical. <laughs> and there's dancing dildos in it. <laughs> this movie is amazing. I think I'm going to have to have you come back on and we're going to have to talk about it um it's 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 trash but um yeah jessica harper was also in pennies from heaven which is a cult a very forgotten cult musical with bernadette peters and steve martin um because it was a dramatic movie and people are like steve martin in a dramatic film so that's why it didn't do well but she's in it mm. looking beautiful um so yeah and he did a couple of other things some small budget films but if i'm not mistaken he was originally supposed to be brad in the rocky Horror picture show but he was unavailable Oh, the reason that Barry Bostick was chosen because he was the original Danny Zuko on Broadway in Greece. Like no, sh- no shade to Susan Sarandon and Barry Bostick and their singing and acting capabilities, mm-hmm. but like Jessica Harper and Clifty Young, I she ha- Jessica has a little bit of like a twang to her singing voice, and I mean when she can he- actually sing, <laughs> well, unlike yes. Susan, uh, and then. But- during the dual duet, like you're losing. Yeah, I mean, I know that they affect their his voice in ways, and that is whatever. But like, when you really, if if you can imagine stripping it down, like you can hear him, and he's really singing, and it's very like I love like that Farley song with a kiss um, like a Mississippi alligator sister. <laughs> uh, and then you know, I re- what I originally flatted you talked me out of it thank so, god i'm a man well i flatted the homophobia and racism but like you made you made it 
makes sense in a way. Well, I just yeah, because Richard O'Brien is, the, of course, is bisexual, but he he was doing that to show how America was in the eighties and possibly still are. I mean, it's very fun because you have people of color in the audience and they're saying we're tolerant to the ethnic races because it's sort of like, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. So I know all about fake kindness. So it's about the whole fake kindness. We're like, we don't agree with you, but we'll tolerate you because we're American. And that's what that whole thing's about. So I think he's playing, I know he's playing into the fake American kindness to where we will be nice to your face, but at the same time, we're probably not necessarily nice to you behind your back. I think I'm going to keep it as a flat, but I wish they went further with it then. You know, made it more um, commentary or of a joke. Well, they did. Like, Those two cheerleaders say, you can call us the goody two-shoes. So it's making fun of like the stereotypical good girls as well. Right, but I don't, I, I don't think, mm-hmm. this is just my opinion. I don't think that for me, they went far enough with the, the commentary and the jokingness of things. Like, I think they could go more. I may also, and I'm also going to flat that this stage production that you've been talking about only happened for so like in 2015. I just, I want it. Lastly, and I think I know the answer to this. Would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? I have a feel. I, I mean, I listen to the soundtrack all day every day every single one i sometimes skip thank god i'm a man because like i get it it's character it's just show you who this character is but like i I, i'm good (laughs) that that one that one is the only like meh song out of the out of all all of them i feel like in the stage show ralph sings that because it's before he comes in the closet. So he's like, and people keep accusing him being gay. And he's like, no, thank God I'm a man. And then in the end of the show, he's like, actually, I am gay. So he sings Breaking Out. Yeah. My favorite song, Bitch in the Kitchen. I think that's a beautiful song. I think it's so well done. And the thing is, it's like, even while Janet and Brad are having an emotional breakdown, they're still trying to get, they're still being watched. And they're still trying to sell stuff in the middle of this emotional breakdown. Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> Micro digital awaker, which is the weirdest way to say it, but okay. <laughs> weirdest Shall way to say digital clock. <laughs> yes. uh, it's, like, it's like they can't get away from consumerism. And it's like, it is. And it's really, Brad and Janet literally are always hit with consumerism and commercialism. And it's like, it makes you wonder what, what became of Brian Janet after shock treatment. I mean, because the town doesn't want, they, the town's okay with being slaves. They're okay with being tormented and experimented on. But only Oscar Joel Bits and Brad and Janet and um, Judge Oliver Wright and Betty Hapshat escape. Or Betty Moore, I wish she's known. But like that can also play into your other, the other thing you said. Into the old queen. No, no, no. Where you said that the audience is all Transylvanians. So I think and, some of them are, but I think some of them are really are the Den- Denton residents. Oh, so it's a mix. Okay. Yeah. I think some of them are probably the Transylvanians. I mean, it makes you wonder if 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 um, Nurse Hatchet and not Nurse Hatchet, Nurse Anselongus, uh, Columbia. Well, I mean, she's dead. So unless yeah, they revived her. 
unless they revived her because this is all like i mean um there is like a little bit of science fiction in this movie so i wouldn't be surprised yeah because um dr scott was supposed to be judge oliver wright the actor or the character yeah the character I kind of like, though, that they brought in the criminologist from <laughs> Exactly, which makes you wonder, again, the connection. Because the criminologist isn't given a name in a regular picture show, but he's actually given a name in show treatment. Which then made me question myself being like, wait, is that his name in Rocky Horror? And I just didn't know. I think Rocky Horror and Shock Dreamer are both about Brad and Janet and their relationship troubles and their rela- what, what and what not their relationships their relationship can withheld and withstand, which shows that if they can deal with crazy Transylvanian cross-dressing aliens, then they can also deal with a crazy, maniacal TV mogul who wants to literally capture the world and keep them slaves. And on that note, James, I think we're done with the episode. Because <laughs> it sounds like you can talk about this hour and 30, not even hour and 30 minute movie for like 17 years. Which mm-hmm. you probably have been. <laughs> yeah. Uh, James, is there anything you want to plug or promote while we're here? Um, if you want to follow me on Cult Musicals on Instagram, it's great. It's for musicals that you don't know exist, but you're not going to find, of course, Evita or something like that. It's musicals that are forgotten, that are weird, twisted, horrible, over, um, underrated, forgotten, and some that you may, you know, that were inspired by Rocky Horror, but also the ones that gave way to Rocky Horror. And and I really like that you give your opinion and your own rating system and everything with it. Because, I mean, it's great to... I mean, it, it, it's, uh, you give a little blurb about it. It's not like you write a whole review over it. So you're just like... And memorable songs. Right, and you're like, two out of five stars. This character was great. And this is the songs that I really liked. And then sometimes you do posts of like a character from the movie where you're like likes and dislikes. And so it's very, (laughs) it's very informative and you could tell it's coming from love. Um, Yes. I love bad movies. Oh, don't we all. (laughs) I love bad movies. And I think, you know, some, I love the ones that take themselves seriously and then become cult musicals because they really were serious. Like the apple in Xanadu. I love like who said, let's have Olivia Newton-John as a goddess or a muse who tries to help somebody open a roller disco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, and if you want to talk about shock treatment or Rocky Horror or anything else, really, uh, you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at buttersongpod. Tell me if you also saw this live version of shock treatment and what your thoughts and feelings were on it. And if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, we're going to be talking about begin again. Uh, James, this has been great. I, it's been great. I love watching your, I like looking at your stuff. You're very classical theater, which I like. And I like trash movies too. So we will, I will be contacting (laughs) you in the future to come back on because trash musicals are the best. (laughs) You need you should need your next the best little whorehouse in Texas with Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds. So that is a musical or is that a drama? No, it's a musical. The movie is. Yes. I didn't, oh, it's okay. A, but the best little whorehouse in Texas is a musical on Broadway, and it was adapted into that movie.
with Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds. The musical came first. Okay, okay. We'll we'll talk li- uh, when we're done recording <laughs> about whatever episodes, because I have a feeling you're going to be a friend of the pod real soon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> bye for now, everyone. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.